G'day guys, CB here. Thanks for listening to this episode of Chewing the Fat. Today, JY and I chewed the fat with Sean Resnick. Sean is a naturopath, hypnotherapist, and mindset coach who specializes in anxiety and mental health. Sean gave us some incredible insights into how to manage anxiety as well as manage our way through the uncertainty of the current pandemic. Chewing the Fat is proudly brought to you by Three Point Supplements. Three Point Supplements is an Australian-owned evidence-based supplement range developed by coaches and sports dietitians providing some of the highest quality all-natural supplements on the market. Chewing the Fat listeners are entitled to 15% off at checkout. Use the code CTF15 at threepointsupplements.com.au. You can find us on Instagram at chewingthefat underscore podcast. Please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you like what you hear. Hope you enjoy. Let's go. to the podcast. This is Chewing the Fat. I'm JY, joined by CB and the one and only Sean Resnick. Sean, Chris, how are you boys? I'm well, how are you boys? I'm excellent. Good to be here as always. Now, I'm pumped to have you on today, Sean. For those who are unfamiliar with Sean's work, Sean is a naturopath, a hypnotherapist and a mindset coach, um, which is is quite the resume. A few titles there, mate. You wear a few hats. Um, Now, I want to start off by by saying, yeah, I'm super stoked that you're joining us today. Um, And the reason that we got to know each other is through a personal story of mine that I sort of want to share with the audience before we, we get started. So, um, essentially to ramble about myself for 30 seconds or a minute as you always I, um, do yeah, as, I, as I don't mind doing obviously yep. as our listeners know I, um, I essentially developed uh, a case of eczema in my late 20s now eczema from what I can gather is something that's more common in children and, and adolescents and I never had it as a kid never had any skin, skin issues and all of a sudden I was in my late 20s and was, was red raw all over my body and I was seeing a dermatologist at the time um, who was treating me with a bunch of different sort of steroid based drugs which would get rid of the problem temporarily but it would continue to come back and it was you know probably dragging on for 18 months to two years and at that stage I was actually put on immunosuppressant drugs um, which is very similar to um, what I understand is that you know doctors will give to people that are recovering from cancer and leukemia and, and things like that and it was doing all sorts of funny things to my body and not actually fixing my problem now um, absolutely not to, to downplay anything that dermatologist that I was seeing at the time was doing for me. She was absolutely brilliant and I would actually recommend her to other people. For me, it just didn't work. And I was pretty um, pretty desperate at that stage to try some other solution because it just wasn't getting better despite all of these sort of relatively hard drugs I was putting into my body. And um, my partner actually mentioned, why don't you try a naturopath? And to be brutally honest, I thought, well, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah, you know. <laughs> without being disrespectful, probably a B-grade doctor. Like, why would I want to go see someone like that? That doesn't seem very science-backed. Why would I see a naturopath? Anyway, I stumbled across Sean's website and was like, look, whatever, I've got nothing to lose. I'll give this guy a go. Um, And literally within weeks of, um, yeah, taking purely natural-based supplements as recommended by Sean, problem went away completely and it's never come back and actually blew my mind how well it worked. Um, And you look so pretty now as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> it always has. Yeah. It always has. Um, so that's my little story. That's how I've come across Sean and, and your work. So what we wanted to do is get you on today to spread a bit of light to what naturopaths actually are, what they do, how they help people. Because as I said, it's something that I was very ignorant ignorant about and essentially had no idea. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a great place to start, mate. Tell us yeah. about yourself and the work so that you do, I, Sean. Uh, I'm 44 years of age and I've been practicing as a naturopath and hypnotherapist now for 20 years. 
in my private practice. Naturopathy is a great modality because it's one of those modalities where you help the body, you assist the body in its healing. The body can heal itself in most cases. Uh, given the right set of circumstances, the right diet. Sometimes we have to add supplements because our diet's not as a bit deficient in certain nutrients and vitamins. It's just part of modern day living, unfortunately. Um, and look, naturopathy addresses the mind, it addresses the body as well. So we're looking at the person holistically. Essentially, we're trying to work in a way that aids the body's own healing ability. Um, it's kind of like being, it's not like being a doctor, I wouldn't say it's like being a doctor at all, but we do address all areas of life. Um, we come at it from a nutrient perspective, um, mineral perspective, we can actually uh, send people to uh, practitioners for tests, um, and I can read blood tests and all that sort of thing. And I think in Australia, what's probably lacking the most is the ability for us to all integrate and actually embrace mm. all types of medicine. You know, I have a healthy respect for normal conventional medicine. And I think when we all work together as a team, that's when we get the best results. Mm. That's such a good point. Cause it was, to me, it was like, you know, naturopath was this separate being a separate thing, but yeah, that's completely not how we should be seeing it, right? No, and, not at all. You know, it's not you guys against Western medicine or you oh. guys against doctors. And look, I, I studied in South Africa and, I mean, our course is quite medically based. I mean, we, we dissected cadavers, you know, mm. when I was studying and we did all our anatomy and physiology and pathology and all that sort of stuff. So I've got an acute knowledge of how the body works. And the majority of people who study in Australia you know, have done really good courses so naturopaths can actually offer a lot to, to people on their health journeys. And, um, you know, I think people often come to see us when they've tried conventional medicine and it just hasn't worked for them. And that can happen in all areas of life. So you've just got to be open. And I'm so glad that uh, Ellie sent you my way because the results are pretty cool. That's it. I it's quite funny because my um, my mum has had a naturopath for years. Yeah. And when I was young, we me and my brother was sort of like introduced to that from a young age. So we always saw naturopaths as almost more the first port of call than doctors. We were almost the other way around. Yes. Um, and it's always just been very interesting that then since then seeing a doctor, you'll then speak, oh, you know, I've been seeing a naturopath and they'll almost snigger. Yeah. Like there's, there is that kind of like bias towards... It's such a shame. It's like an ego-based sort of decision. Yeah. Right? Like why do we have to get so egocentric around this? Let's just do what's right yeah. for the actual yeah. client. Mm. You know, but, but one of the lovely things about the philosophy in naturopathy is is, um, you know, you're wanting to get to the cure. You want to get to the cause of the problem. So, you know, you can take allopathic medicines for eczema, for example, which, uh, you know, will help with the symptoms. But if there's something going on that's uh, aggravating the condition from a dietary perspective, why don't we just address diet? Why don't we look at the mindset? Mm. Is there a lot of stress going on in the person's life that needs to be addressed as well? And a lot of the, uh, the stuff that we do is looking, as I said before, holistically. Let's not just go in with a slapdash approach of just looking at a symptom and treating that. Let's actually aid the body and work with the body. Yeah, a lot of the time it's almost like sometimes modern medicine can be like a band-aid. Like we look at the cut itself, put the band-aid over it and say, cool, yeah. that'll heal and we'll, you know, good luck yeah. with everything rather than looking at what actually caused the wound. And yeah. then going deeper into that. Absolutely. And then I guess you have to look at the flip side. So if someone's got a massive trauma and they're in an accident, don't see your naturopath. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> go to the doctor. Go to the hospital. <laughs> Please don't come see me. I'm dropping a full of blood. Like, you know, so we all have our area of expertise. Yeah. I think if we have a healthy respect for each, 
then we get better results. I'd love to hear about how you got interested into your career mm. and how you went down this path. Obviously, for to be doing something for 20 years, you, yeah. one, must be doing something right, and two, must be enjoying it. Yeah. And the fact that you're a naturopath as well as a hypnotherapist as well, yeah. quite a unique combination. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so I, I guess when I was a kid living in South Africa, I, one of the things about me is quite a sensitive kid, quite empathic, and I used to... Uh, love helping other people. So I used to, it was weird. I used to, I started counseling my mum when I was about eight. Uh, mum, you're listening to this, uh, you owe me some cash. Big fan of the podcast. <laughs> and um, I just naturally knew I wanted to help people, you know, uh, somehow. I, uh, I applied for medicine and I applied for um, naturopathy in South Africa. And interestingly enough, the interview for medicine was a disaster, like a disaster. Sat in front of this panel and it was terrible. Uh, bombed out in the interview and uh, did smashingly well in the natural healthcare interview. So it just sort of happened that off I went into the natural healthcare sector. One of my um, good friends growing up in South Africa's mum was a homeopath and naturopath and they were amazing. And, and she got me into alternative healthcare as well. So from a very young age, I knew I wanted to go into the healing world. And then roughly at the age of 22, after my, I finished up my qualifications, boom, I was a practitioner myself. I felt like a bit of a baby, to be honest. Yeah. So I went straight into it, straight, straight into it. Loved it. And I guess within a couple of years, I noticed a lot of people were coming to see me for all sorts of conditions, one being anxiety. And I, at the time, suffered really badly from anxiety. I, uh, as a teenager, I knew from a very young age that I was gay. I grew up in a very conservative household in South Africa, Jewish family. And I was holding that uh, deep inside and not, not letting you know, anyone know about my internal struggles. And um, so I had a really big history of anxiety, panic attack, that sort of thing. And it took a lot of work on my behalf getting over that to learn how to manage my own anxiety and certainly to learn how to love and accept myself. And, and what was so interesting is when I did the self-work, that's when I became better at helping other people to overcome their self-limiting beliefs around themselves. So now I've made it a passion of mine to help people on all areas of life, whether it's, you know, what you, we've discussed with your skin, to um, helping people love themselves and get over it, you know, addictions and helping people to become the best versions of themselves. And I guess the reason why I've done this for so long is because it's, it's such a rewarding career and it's so needed. There's so many people out there who are really struggling at the moment. So if, if I can help in any way, yeah, it gives me a lot of joy. Mm, that's, it's so cool, mate. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's obviously you can see how passionate you are. Um, mental health is a passion of ours, of this show, and we've spoken about it quite a lot. And yeah, like you said, it's very, very relevant to a lot of people right now because there's a lot of shit that's going on in the world. Yeah. That, we're having to deal with absolutely um, yeah which is super tough so i'm sure you'll be able to share some wisdom and helping people sort of get through this time at the moment yeah. um for our audience as well as for your clients um so yeah we touched on the fact that you're a hypnotherapist as well so yeah tell I, love us so, so about that. I love the hypnotherapy because what essentially happens is the naturopathy is wonderful because you can sort of address certain conditions uh, you know physically and emotionally mentally just through talk right but so you've got to go deeper than that because talk's wonderful, but you know, it's like hanging out with a friend. Sometimes you can talk till the cows come home, but there's mm -hmm. no general effect, essentially. You still feel anxious afterwards or stressed. So when you do hypnosis, you're really getting to the core. You go down into the subconscious, and you know, after taking a case history from someone, I really get an idea of what it is they're wanting to achieve. When people are in a state of trance, that's when they're best able to absorb, you know, those positive suggestions. 
And I, I wish I'd actually started with the hypnosis way back, right in the very beginning. Um, the hypnosis came later on in my career. And I've just found it gives an overall nice rounded effect to people's uh, treatment. And anyone can do it, by the way. Anyone can be hypnotized. Uh, and and I, you know, a lot of people say to me, I don't know, I've never been hypnotized before. And I always say to people, well, hang on. Have you ever been watching TV and, you know, minutes, almost an hour goes by and you're so entrenched in that movie and you just lose track of time? Or something happens in the movie and you get the biggest fright. You must be in a state of trance to believe what you're seeing on the TV set. Like, you have to. So can you... Yeah. Can you actually explain like how the process of hypnosis works and how yeah. you? Yeah. You could live on the podcast. You could hypnotize Chris. Oh, you probably hypnotize. You probably hypnotize right now. You're saying that whole thing. So. Is it, yeah. Look, it's essentially what it is. Um, you, you're taking a person who's in a conscious state. Yeah. And first, I always say to people, look, all you've got to do is close your eyes. Essentially, I've got to do the hard work. You know. So I listen to the way the person presents and the language they use. And some people are visual, meaning they, they see things in their mind's eye. Some people are very kinesthetic, they feel things inside. Some people are very auditory in their communication. So they, 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 they like the sounds of words that are attuned to their hearing. Okay. So what happens is, depending on who comes in, I just communicate on their level using the language that best resonates with them. And I'll slow my voice down. I'll use a, a much softer sort of tone. Actually, Chris, you'd be great for hypnosis because you've got a raspy voice. They actually <laughs> say that's the best voice for hypnosis, right? So you, you could be hypnotizing people. He does have a raspy voice. Got a job for me. Yeah, got a job, right? <laughs> yeah, become a hypnotherapist. And when you speak in a very relaxing, calming way, people naturally go into a beautiful state. And when they're in that state, they're so open to suggestion. As long as it's healthy suggestions that are going to make a positive impact in their lives. So you can't hypnotize someone and start telling them or suggesting them to do things that go against their values or things that are going to be hurtful or harmful for them because they'll just snap out of trance. People, you, there's this innate ability we all have to sense when somebody's working in a positive way with us or when they're being manipulative. So as long as you're doing it for all intents and purposes in a healthy way, yeah, people go into a really beautiful state quite easily. And that's where the magic happens. And then you get them out of trance and they might have a different perception of the food that they were craving before, like mm. sugary foods. Or, you know, I turn people's uh, perception of smokes into something really negative and gross. And uh, after a session of hypnosis, the majority of clients just don't want to smoke. They're done with it. So it's essentially changing your subconscious. Is yeah. that what you're aiming to do? Yeah. You, you literally, yeah. You're literally diving deep so that you can access the subconscious. It's like when we walk out, like if we're all sitting here right now, if we look out the window, there's clouds in the sky, the, the, the sky is grey. But beyond that, there are stars. We just don't see those stars during the day, right? So the subconscious is always working in the background. We just need access to it so we can actually uh, influence it. So the way that you explain that, it's like, to use like sort of the traditional example of manipulating someone to doing something that you see on TV with hypnosis. It's not about actually like making someone act like a duck. It's making them 
understand why it would be so positive to them to act like a duck. Yes, like, <laughs> that is the best analogy. Like, that's the way I, I saw it. it. That's the way it makes sense yeah. to me. Is yeah. you know, you say to someone like, you know, we're going to help you get over smoking. Yeah. It's not all right. When I click my fingers, you're going to stop smoking. It's your almost placing in there. It's like inception. Yes. It's like you're placing in there why smoking is bad for them yes. and what the positives are of giving oh, it up. 100%. Yeah. And I take people on a journey, essentially, of like, what would life look like if they stopped smoking? And what does life look like if they continued? And obviously, the continuation of smoking, I always find out from the person, what's your biggest fear? What are you anxious about? And then I elicit those sort of suggestions yeah. into their subconscious um just so you know you've got to be very like when you speak to the subconscious you've got to be careful to use positive phraseology so you don't want to say when you stop smoking yeah. because the subconscious doesn't actually understand the negative mm-hmm. it just hears when you delete okay. stop and it goes smoking so when you're free of smoking you know so you've got to use language okay. that's actually very positively framed for people crazy yeah, yeah. Crazy. Was this um was hypnosis part of your sort of healing journey? Like you spoke about anxiety, things like that growing up. Like how did you experience that as, yeah. a, as a consumer more oh, so than as a practitioner? So cool that you asked this. So funny enough, I used to have an absolute phobia of public speaking. Huge. Really? Massive, yeah. Even as a practitioner. So this is the weird thing, you know, this is just to, you know, show your audience how imperfect we all are, right? So let's just say um in, in some forty four, in my early thirties, um, I was already helping people with anxiety and overcoming self limiting stuff. But deep down inside, I had an absolute phobia myself in public speaking. I got up to speak at uni one day and I'd had very little sleep the night before and I just received some bad news and I stood up in front of my, you know, peers to talk about, I don't know, beak complex vitamins and I had a panic attack on stage Mm. and it was awful. And in that second, I made a decision, I'll never speak in public again like this ever again. So here I am, a practitioner, helping people with their anxiety (laughs) and all sorts of stuff, but I had a deep dark dirty secret which yeah. is I myself had a phobia of it anyway a client came to see me I helped him uh, overcome an anxiety of his own and he came to see me in my early 30s for his own anxiety of public speaking <laughs> and I just owned it I just said to him dude I just want to let you know I actually myself have a phobia so of this um, so you can either choose to go elsewhere uh, in which case that's cool or I'm going to make a stand today I'm going to get over my phobia and I'm going to help you get over yours we'll do it together if that's what you want to do and he's like man I'm so happy to hear you're imperfect as well this yeah. is great he embraced yeah. it he thought it was great that's so cool that's so we great. both went on a journey I literally went on a journey I got some hypnosis done I did some work on it and uh, he got to uh, go to his uh, wedding and do an amazing speech he actually married a uh, a well-known Australian personality and he was anxious about the wedding speech and he, he nailed it and together we got through it wow. and um, ever since then yes yeah, so hypnosis works a charm for for phobia yeah. and now nowadays I speak to people in audiences and you know corporate to corporate gigs and I love it you know so hypnosis rocks for all that sort of stuff cool. it's so cool that you talk about your, you know your imperfections and because they're going to see you then you you know it's like you've got no right to have a phobia of public speaking because you're helping someone else it's like well that's not true is it no. it's like in, in our profession you know for, for, for JY like as a personal trainer mm. if, if you don't if you're an overweight unfit personal trainer they're not going to want to see you but if they know that you've been in the trenches and you've been able to transform yourself and you know 
give you give yourself the brilliant physique that you've got today, Jay. Well, then that's what they appreciate. Do you know what I mean? Today, and, man. I, I get clients. Too bad this is hot stuff. I get clients to me. <laughs> I get clients that come into me and they're like, oh, and they've got a certain injury. And they're like, if you had this certain injury, and they, that, that's what they want me to say yes because even if even yeah. if I've got the best understanding from a textbook of the pathology and the evidence and the rehab you wanted, if I haven't actually experienced it, they're like, well, you don't know what my pain's like. Yeah, people people come in and they're like, if you had back pain before, and I'm like, yes. They're like, oh, so you actually understand how I feel. They don't yeah. care about my you know, necessarily my university qualifications or my extra knowledge. It's like, well, they want to know that you felt that and that must be empowering for your clients to know that, hey, you've had anxiety, you've had mindset issues I, yeah. and you can relate to them. Yep, that's mm-hmm. exactly it. Like, that's one of the things that can connect us as human beings is being imperfect around each other, being vulnerable around each other. So the problem is when you are trying to be perfect in front of other people, you actually make them feel less perfect mm-hmm. in your company which makes them feel anxious mm. around you or closed off. They don't open up. So one of the things I've always been so grateful for in my practice is just how easily people open up to me and talk about their stuff. And I always thought back in the day when I was a bit more naive, I thought I had like these superhuman power powers, but I don't. It was just that I was always real with people, mm. other than my public speaking phobia that I, that I kept to myself. You know? mm. But just be real with people. They, they love it. And then they open up to you. I must, and I must say, like without pumping up your tires all day, Sean, uh, it was it was the one thing I noticed when I came to see you is that I mean I came to you for a skin condition, but it felt like such a comfortable environment that I could talk about anything, yeah. and I didn't expect that. You know, I wasn't going for that necessarily, yeah. Yeah. and I sort of couldn't. I suppose I, I couldn't put into words why that was the case, but you've just summed it up there essentially. Yeah, yeah, which is yeah. really really cool. Yeah, thanks, I appreciate it. I, I think I just I just love people so. And I think if you love people and, and the other thing is if you've done some work yourself and you've learned to just accept you for you and you stop putting up this front of having to look super cool in front of everyone, you just allow a much easier flow when you're around people and you give them the option of just being themselves mm-hmm. too. And, and I think that's where the magic happens. You know, that's why you do so well in your career because you've got that easygoing low-key kind of awesome attitude as well and I think people resonate with that you know so Hmm. yeah and I can see that from you too you know James just in hanging out we've you know hung out for a little bit before this podcast so easygoing nice guys you know and that's why I'm so glad to be a part of this podcast because I know if you guys are like that your audience are most likely going to resonate with it as well I think a lot of like even just in my industry like a lot of new trainers struggle when they come in thinking that they need to be this hot shot, like, you know, not, not even a know-it-all, but just try to like, you know, motivate people by, you know, inspiring them and being, setting the standard. And I think the best trainers that I know are the ones that come to the industry and look at the person rather than, you know, I guess the, all the different anatomy and, you know, physiology, they just go, okay, cool. I'm working with the person here. How can I better know that person? How can I work with this person, relate to them? you know encourage them and i think that they end up going very far and it sounds like the exact same in your industry as well sean i know chris is like that as well i have you know a lot of people who go and see chris and be like it's just to pump up everyone's tires i've sent a lot of my mates mums my own mum to see chris and they leave there saying geez chris is a nice guy like you know he's non-judgmental i thought he was going to go in there and start poking and prodding me and i walked out feeling a million dollars just yeah. talking to him because yeah, like we all know what we're doing wrong at the end of the day we all know we've mm. screwed up we've made mistakes and that's part of life we're here to grow 
but we also like we're experts at comparing ourselves to other people mm. so we're good at feeling like pieces of shit essentially so when you go and see somebody who's there to help you in whatever capacity in your health journey you want to see somebody who's compassionate and caring and isn't going to judge you you know yeah um sometimes i have clients that come and see me and they, they've seen other practitioners for their mental health and they share something with me quite you know uh, something quite poignant in their lives even big and i say did you speak to your previous practitioner about it and they go no i never felt comfortable saying this to my practitioner mm-hmm. like, how long were you seeing your practitioner for and they're like three four years yeah regularly like wow like you know so yeah we need to be able to feel comfortable to Mm. open up and that's where the journey starts just being comfortable sharing it with another human being and then sharing it with somebody who's been either on the journey themselves or has the skill set to then help elevate you and get you to that next level and that's Mm. that's where the journey begins you know that's where i love um you know specifically with anxiety i talked about the monkey in the mind we all have the monkey in the mind that will little monkey that kind of sends us off you know thinking you know negative thoughts the problem is we often believe those negative thoughts to be true you know it's been shown that the average person has between 60 to 80 thousand thoughts a day 80 percent of them are shit thoughts they're bad they're negative thoughts they're not even real 95 percent of our thoughts are the same thoughts we had the day before Okay, so essentially we're all a bit fucked. <laughs> everyone is, everyone is, myself, all of us, we're all fucked to some degree. The brain is not designed to have you be happy and content. The brain has evolved over years to essentially just keep us safe. You know, if we were on the plains of Africa 300,000 years ago, looking up at the blue sky and the pretty flowers, enjoying everything, the saber-toothed tiger would have taken us out and killed us. So we're naturally geared to look at the negative Okay, it's called negative bias and to keep safe. So our minds are designed to do that for us. It's our responsibility to learn to harness the power of suggestion and you know, uh, use techniques to, to learn how to become more peaceful, how, more, how to become more relaxed. So we're not always on high alert, anxious and stressed all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 80,000 thoughts a day. That is unbelievable, isn't it? Like, yeah. I mean, when you think about it, yeah, you're constantly thinking you've got a thought, 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 yeah, thought, thought. The time. We do have this negativity bias, it's so true, and we need that because it keeps us safe, but at the same time, it, it feeds into this anxiety. Yeah. Um, and one of the one of the craziest things is, you know, I'm not going to get these statistics right, but the, the, the percentage of people in a country like Australia, which we're one of the luckiest countries in the world, yeah. that have depression and anxiety compared oh. to like the poorer countries in Africa or Asia two, or whatever is crazy. Two million people every single year are suffering from anxiety. One in five people in Australia will have a mental health condition. Um, for every ten people you know, for every ten people you know, one person will have attempted suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, one in two people will suffer with the feelings of wanting to commit suicide for a period of two weeks or more at some point in their lives. And twenty-five percent of people have um, addictions, you know, negative addictions. So. You know, we are one of the luckiest countries in the world, but it just, these statistics go to show that we're not designed for happiness. So one of the greatest ways we can overcome that is just live your life according to your values, mm. things that are important to you. Very often we, uh, we get anxious and stressed because we're living our lives that are not um, in line with the path we want for ourselves. So values are things that are important to you. And if you're living your life doing stuff you love and you enjoy and you fill your life with people that um, enhance that, 
as well, we tend to feel more content and happier. Okay, but it's impossible to be happy all the time. Mm-hmm. We need to let go of that expectation. There's something wrong with me. I'm not happy all the time. No, it's not. Life isn't like that. Um, you mentioned Sean you've got a really specific methodology for dealing yeah. people with anxiety and you've touched a little bit on how you use hypnosis and you know the monkey in your mm. mind thing can you tell us a little bit more yeah. about your method for helping these people I call it the Pitts methodology and I've you know it's a methodology that I've pulled together from all the different mentors around the world that I've you know either listened to or been to their seminars and courses or books that I've read and it's called the Pitts methodology it's an acronym P-I-T-S okay and it's also a metaphor so we all find ourselves in the pits of anxiety and despair at some point we all have, all three of us have mm-hmm. at some point, right? And that's normal. And sometimes when you're in the pits of anxiety and despair, it feels really lonely and isolating down there. And so the way I usually frame it to people is, at some point in your life, life is good, you're feeling great, and then you fall down, boom, into this pit, okay? And when you're in the pits, there's a few options you can take to step out of the pits. And one of the first steps is perception. We need to take our anxious thoughts and change our perception of those thoughts. Because very often, our thoughts are just bullshit. <laughs> They're not real, okay? They're made up rubbish that we've either grabbed from a story that we've been told long ago about ourselves, from a teacher who told us that we were dumb or that we'd never account amount to anything. Or it could have been from a peer or bullying at school or, or, or parents who just weren't doing a great job, okay? So we need to change our perception of those thoughts. And that's where I do a whole bunch of techniques with people in my practice. So we take the sting out of the negative thought, okay? Then what we do is we invite the thought in. Like, you know, what is that thought there for? What's the lesson that we need to be taught? So that's the T. What's the teaching from that negative thought? Very often when we analyze a thought, we see that what we've been worrying about and stressing about doesn't actually make sense or or there's our ways we can learn to circumvent and navigate our way around the problem and overcome it. So what's the teaching? Then it's all about stepping up. We need to learn a new way of being and we need to get those neural pathways, those new pathways to a new behavior to overcome that negative behavior that was there before. We need to entrench that in the mind and it takes about 66 days before a new neural pathway is created strong enough that that new behavior is now the way you run your life. Okay, and we need to step up and share, share with other people like, you know, what we've overcome because in doing that, you'll realize that a lot of people are actually going through the same thing you were battling with as well. And if you can help somebody else, that's amazing. That's what we had to do. We're not here to be islands working on mm. ourselves. We're here to help other people too, as a community. And then we grow and prosper, you know, as a nation. Mm. The, um, your second point there, inviting those bad thoughts in and letting yeah. them sit with them up. Look, I imagine for your clients, that's probably gonna be a very, very difficult thing to do because yeah. you know, I know personally, if I've had bad thoughts or anxious thoughts, the last thing you wanna do is invite them and yeah. sit with them and explore them. You wanna be like, no, get out of my head. Like, yeah. I don't wanna think that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's very much the opposite of how I would imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, the vast majority of people suffering with anxiety yeah. or, or yeah. stress would yeah. want to actually handle their thoughts. Oh, totally, and I agree with you. Unless you've done the first step, which is change your perception yeah. of them. So I use something called acceptance and commitment therapy, mm-hmm. where you literally take the thought, so just a sentence, and I get people to sing that thought, laugh that thought, dance that thought. We change their physiology because your mind and your body are so interconnected, and I get them to say the thought forwards, backwards. I say get them to say it in um, in an old lady's uh, voice, <laughs> or change their um, 
their accents, okay? And we do it backwards and forwards and we do it many times and then I actually get them laughing about the thoughts. Mm. And then when we look at that thought, from a, we take a step backwards, I say, how do you feel about that thought now? Oh, that's just stupid, you know? Mm. It's silly. Oh, it doesn't feel the same way anymore. But now I want to make a disclaimer. There are certain conditions or incidences in life where that does not work. All right, so you have to be respectful. If someone's lost a partner or a friend or a loved one, um, or they've gone through something really traumatic, um, and you know we have to be uh, mindful that people go through traumas in life. That technique is not the first technique I use. Um, I use another technique for that specifically. So, but by and large, I'm talking about the thoughts which are "I'm not enough" mm. or "I'm a dumbass." or I couldn't do that, or I'm too scared to ask for a raise, or I can't ask her out or him out. Or, the ones that come through every day. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the average stuff that holds us back, that stops us from reaching our fullest yeah. potential. Like, I can't start a new business, it's going to fail. You know, BS, yeah. that's rubbish, okay? And that's the thoughts that I like to play with. Mm. And those basic thoughts, when we change people's perceptions of them and they now start taking action that's really positive and really truly living their lives the way they want to, now they're in a position where they can overcome other bigger obstacles. Mm. We just It's just an evolution to get to the top of the pit and to the, the happy place, you know? Do you find a lot of those techniques almost can then be taken home by your clients to yeah, then yeah. sort of continue to work? Yeah. Do they I come back? No, and... you know what? So ultimately, I love to work with people in a way that they take techniques and they, they use them. Yeah. And I don't want people to become reliant on me because yeah. that's not what it's about. Nice. You don't want that. You want to take, take the gold, learn what you need to learn, go off and share it and teach it with other people. So, yeah. But I do get clients coming back from time to time just yeah. needing a bit of a top-up. Yep. Just, just like you take your car in for a service every once in a while, you know? You need to do that, which reminds me, I need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Probably all do. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. You, you touched on... Um, something you really enjoy helping people with is, is quitting smoking, um, yeah. which is obviously an addiction. And you said that's an area of you know of passion for you. How did that sort of passion working with addiction start? And, and tell us a little bit more about that, Sean, if you can. Yeah, look, I just think that you know we're all going to fill our day with stuff, and you know we've got addictions that are good for us. So exercise or reading or you know cooking can be a nice positive addiction. If anything that you do over and over every single day and you couldn't imagine not doing it is an addiction. Okay, so they're positive ones, but they're negative ones as well. So I love helping people get over smokes or even curbing the alcohol content because I think COVID has created a lot of uh, alcoholics, let's be upfront and honest mm -hmm. with each other. Like, you know, if people are drinking, you know, three to four standard drinks every single day, that's starting to lead towards alcoholism. And, uh, and some people are growing some families. So... I like helping people take their alcohol, no, take the alcohol, take, I take their alcohol, <laughs> I take the alcohol off them and their smokes, we sell them to somebody <laughs> else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I like to help people overcome their addictions, essentially, so we swap them for positive ones. Very often an addiction is just something that people are doing because they're feeling stressed mm. or anxious and it's the brain's way of coping, you know. So, and they're beautiful ways of doing that, getting it through, getting them over it through hypnosis and all just other techniques as well. 
Yeah, cool. Um, I suppose back to the anxiety thing, so obviously you're working with the PITS methodology, which sounds so cool, like it's so simple, but it seems so powerful just hearing it now for the first time. Um, how else do you help people with anxiety? Is there certain natural supplements, naturopathic yeah. type treatments that you, you use to help people with anxiety? And yeah, health so as well? from a naturopathic perspective, let's just talk the basics over here. You know, So caffeine can sometimes elevate people's um, anxiety, so be careful if you're over-caffeinated. It's, uh, you're, you're burning out your adrenal system, essentially, so... You say as I hide my coffee. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's coffee One or two coffees a day is fine. But, you know... Four. Yeah, four. Okay, now we're getting into, yeah, four, it's five... Addiction jokes. Yeah. All right, thanks, Sean. All right, it's, been, no. it's been a good chat. <laughs> it's been a good chat. See you later. <laughs> yeah, um, eating healthy, nutritious food. So, you know, uh, you know, reducing carbohydrates to a degree. Sometimes our diets, or often our, our diets are too sugarized. Um, and that's not good for anxiety either. So eating regular meals throughout the day, making sure that there's enough protein in there to regulate your blood sugar levels as well, getting good healthy fats in there. Exercise is so important mm-hmm. for um, anxiety. You know, we're not built to just sit on our bums all day and watch TV or, you know, work. We, we need to get exercise in. It de-stresses us. Any kind of repetitive movement, so you guys know from the jobs mm-hmm. you do, Repetitive movement, um, building muscle, you know, endorphin release, serotonin, dopamine, happy hormones get released by doing mm. those sort of things. Keeping good company, make sure you keep really good company. People who champion you when you're up and support you when you're down, let go of some of the naysayers, uh, let them go. And then just getting back from a naturopathic perspective, sleeping, mm. get, some, get adequate sleep as well. Just so okay. important. And look, we could get into you know, B group vitamins are really good for helping support a nervous system. Certain amino acids are great for producing good, healthy neurotransmitters. I won't go into that now; it's too complex. But also, just making sure that you, uh, yeah, you listen to your body. Just listen to your body; it knows. You know, yeah. it knows. Very often, we run into strife and we stop listening to our bodies. We ignore it, and then the body's only way of making us listen is to give us more symptoms. <laughs> that's illness okay so start listening and respecting your bodies more and that that goes a long way to better health it's like you said just before the i guess the good company the exercise uh sleep these things are you know i reckon they're things that a lot of people especially that i work with and chat to every day have struggled with this lockdown so this time around Exercise in particular, first time last year, everyone was kind of excited for a few home workouts, get the bands out and go down to the park. But we're now 18 months into it. We've had gyms, had gyms taken away from us. You know, people who play sport now can't play sport. Footy season's getting cut short. Anxiety, I feel this time around is rife. Not just because of the fact that lockdown has been extended and extended. I feel like it's more because people are fed up with you know, the way that their exercise has been compromised. You can't see your friends. Yeah. And like you said, good company does obviously help us. Um, people are turning to drinking, smoking, yeah. whatever it might be. They're sleeping a lot less because there's no reason to get up the next no. morning. And like, I'm not, and it sounds like I'm talking anecdotally here, but it, you know, to an extent, like I personally have found this time a lot harder. Yeah. And I have been sleeping less. I've actually been seeing less people. I've even, with my own exercise, you know, full discrepancy. I've dropped off a little bit. Yeah. And I guess we also wanted to get you on here to find out, like, what can we do? Like, Sean, what, what, what do we, what can we do yeah. to help sort of 
I guess work around this. Mm, I think we I think what you described before was so so good and so well put because I feel like people to some degree a lot of people have lost hope. You know, mm. one lockdown, yeah, okay, we can get through that. It's a bit of a novelty. Second lockdown, ah, oh, okay, we can get there. We'll be fine. Mm. Third, fourth, fifth, sixth, if you're living in Melbourne right now, it's like, for heaven's sakes, you know, like we've been locked down for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, um, I think a lot of people have lost that sense of certainty and safety, you know, because um, of everything that's been going on around us. So I guess it's about having some kind of faith, knowing that we will get through this. Mm. We are getting through this, you know. Um, we're reaching a point, hopefully, in the next month where we'll be opening up and we'll be able to socialize mm. again. We're social creatures, so we need to hang around other people. Mm. And I guess just knowing that uh, just one day at a time, get out there, don't start in one big fell swoop with your workouts, like start slowly. Mm. You know, even if it's just a 10 minute walk or, you know, cut out the, the bread or whatever it is, you know, or the, you know, reduce your alcohol content each and every day, just work just little bits. Don't bite it all off in one big go. Yeah. They say, how do you how do you eat an elephant? Don't eat elephants though, by the way. <laughs> but, you know, one bite at a time, yeah. you know? So just climb that mountain in a nice, easy way to begin with and build on that. But yeah, I, I totally get it. There's, there's been a lot of, a lot of anxiety of these lots yeah. of lockdowns, but yeah. you know, we're, we're gonna head out of this. We'll get through this. Do you feel like acceptance as well? Like you know, understanding that this is just the situation and that yeah. if you're not training or you're not seeing your friends, not only will you, but it's okay to yeah. be feeling anxious about oh, it. Like accept 100%. how accept. you're feeling. Feel your feelings. Yeah. Um, Eckhart Tolle's great, um, the, the Power of yes. Now, the book. And he wrote, great. I, I love, one of the lessons, some of the lessons I learned from his book is um, in any given circumstance, like let's just say lockdown, for example, okay, you've got three options. You can either leave the situation all right, that's one of your options. Now, we can't leave the situation. It's here. Mm. Okay, so option number one, gone. Option number two, do what's within your power to control under the circumstances. So I may not be able to get into the gym, but I know I certainly have been going into the park and mm. my skipping rope and resistance bands and all mm. that sort of stuff. I don't love it nearly as much as I love the gym, but it's just something I've done, you know, to at least curb mm. some of those COVID kilos, all right? I haven't done it perfectly, okay? I'm with you as well, James. And, you know, my exercise regime hasn't always been great over lockdown. So so that's the second step, all right? So you, you've got that option of change what you can change. Failing that, if you can't change or you have no capacity to control your situation, then the third option is acceptance. Just accept it's a shitstorm. <laughs> it sucks. It's not cool. But know that at some point it must end. Everything in life at some point comes to an end. Everything goes in cycles. You know, we do get pandemics every hundred years. Okay, so this is our turn to get a pandemic. Let's just wait it out, do what we can do, and accept that. Hopefully, this time next year, we're in a much better place. Huh? We always, um, we've spoken about it a few times in this podcast. I think you know, controlling what we can control and yeah. not worrying about things that are out of our control. I think that's personally something I've struggled with. Is that I know using the lockdown as an example, the fact that we're in lockdown, that's out of my control, yeah. right? So if I get angry and bitter and pissed off about it, which is probably a reasonable response, yeah. it's only going to make me feel angry and bitter mm-hmm. and pissed off. Yeah. Whereas if I can accept that and not worry about it because I can't control it, I'm going to be way happier. So yeah. that anger and resentment and frustration, you know, which may be fair enough in these times that a lot of us are feeling, mm-hmm. is, is, as I said, it's it's fair enough. We don't want to like yeah. downplay that. No. But... It's only going to make you feel worse. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I suppose my challenge has always been how do we actually accept what we can't control and be okay with that? And to, like, 
I don't know if you've got any more specific advice mm. on that, if that sort of makes sense, Sean. You know, how do we actually be okay with that acceptance? Well, I think you come to a point where if you can't leave a situation and you've done everything you can do to control the situation in your power to try and help yourself in that situation, right? And you've done everything you can. It's just a belief system that I have, which is as long as you just do the best you can in life, no matter what the circumstances. Ben Miguel Rui is a great speaker and uh, author, and he talks about the four agreements in life. Another great book. Yeah, really great book, right? And one of those agreements is, you know, just do the best you can under the circumstances and be kind to yourself, right? And then at some point, it's just about surrendering. You know, I used to, when I suffered from panic attacks, and one of the most amazing lessons I learned on one particular day was, was having a panic attack. And what I'd usually do is I'd fight the panic attack. I'd be like really angry and I'd try and overcome it by like just forcing it away. And on this one particular day, I just gave up. I thought, fuck it, I'm done, whatever. I don't care if I even piss in my pants in this moment right now and embarrass myself in front of this person. I'm just having this panic attack. I'm letting go. And one of the things I noticed on that moment was the panic attack actually subsided and went away. Mm. And I guess the same goes for life. Like Chris, I guess at some point you just get so tired where you just have to go, enough with the struggle. Let's try something different and just be open and curious to see what happens if you just surrender for a little bit. So, you know, punch your punching bag, scream, shout, rant and rave, rip some stuff up, throw a tantrum and then go, ah, all right, let's just try something new now. Let's try and just accept it and give it a go. And, and you might suck at it <laughs> initially. You might, but just keep practicing it, you know? Mm. That's the choices. There's been, I think there's been so much wisdom, mate. This has actually been a brilliant chat, Sean. Like, people are going to take a lot out of this. Um, I'd love to leave it with, if you've potentially got a top three tips just for the audience in, in terms of general managing our mental health and improving our mindset day to day. And you've already spoken about a hell of a lot, but is there sort of three things that you could just leave our audience with? Yeah, sure. Um, off the top of my head right now, I'm just going to come to me is just be nice to you. Okay, uh, we all have this internal critic that can be so horrible and we criticize ourselves. But remember, the best relationship you will ever have, the most important relationship you'll ever have in your life is the one you share with yourself. You live with yourself 24-7, so be kind to yourself. Again, what I said earlier, just do the best you can under the circumstances. Everyone's struggling right now. Stop comparing yourself to other people. They don't have your genetics. They don't have your life circumstances or the journey you've been on. So to compare yourself to anyone else is actually a slap in the face to you, all right? You are unique in who you are. Um, live your life, love it as much as you can, and surround yourself with good, wholesome people. Like, just the way we've, like the three of us, like, you know, we, Chris, we've known each other for a while, James, we've just met, but the three of us could be best friends, right? Because mm. we've all just similar, easygoing, and just being kind, you know? And... Uh, Today's all been about helping other people. So if you if you stop for oh, that's another tip. Stop just focusing on yourself. Focus on others. When you stop focusing on your own, you know, stuff that's going on in your life and you actually help other people, it actually helps you go a long way and it gives you a lot more meaning in life as well. Mm. Yeah. Great advice, Sean. Brilliant. Cool. Um, I think James is gonna leave you with the most important question that we're gonna ask you for the entire day. Yeah. We've got to wrap it up, unfortunately. Yeah. The 
yeah, unbelievable stuff there, Sean. And yeah, like, dude. we really do appreciate you coming on. Know the listeners will as well. Um, but what they want to know most is, do you keep your tomato sauce in the fridge or in the pantry? Oh my god, always in the fridge. Oh, ah! <laughs> it says refrigerate after opening. Yeah, I I went to barbecue not long ago. I swear. Okay. My friends, I don't think they kept it in the refrigerator. The tomato sauce was so rancid. <laughs> That's what it happens. It was so rancid. It goes rancid. It goes rancid. There's sugars in it. So really? it's like... like yeah. Why is this even a question anymore? Yeah, so uh, Chris, I'm going to be very careful when I come to your house. I'm going to make sure I feel the tomato sauce. If it's not cold, I'm not using it. 45 minutes of wisdom and it's all been ruined, Sean. <laughs> I feel like we, we end the podcast every week on this exact note. Really? I'm right. <laughs> every time. Like, this is a question you always ask. Yeah, we ask everyone. And I reckon, we, we look, to start with, we may have had two of the first three guests. Yeah. Do you remember who was... Um, Molly Molly was... I'm definitely losing now, pantry. unfortunately. I hate to admit it. Molly yeah. was pantry. Yeah. Well, we've got it to account. We keep saying, we keep saying it before, pantry. Um, but anyway, like, yeah. yeah, all we know is that Chris is wrong. Well, <laughs> that's the biggest piece of wisdom to come well, out of this episode. outside the fridge. Just consume it within three days. <laughs> no, it's a lot of sauce. Maybe you can hypnotize me to putting it in the, in the fridge. Maybe that's the only way to change my mind. I might have to, eh? I might have to. Stubborn, um, yeah. <laughs> seriously, Sean, been an absolute pleasure, mate. Um, so many key takeaways and nuggets for us as well as our audience. Um, thanks so much for chilling the fat with us today. Yeah, thanks so much, boys. Loved it. Bam!